Here's the big question this show answers. How do we leverage technology and human science to positively impact our personal and professional life? The tech human experience has the answer. Here's your host, Inc. 5000 tech founder, neuroscience junkie, and Navy SEAL wannabe, Javier Guerra. Hello, my fellow tech humans. Today's guest is the technical director of software architecture at PoolCorp, a market leader in swimming pool and backyard solutions. With a career spanning over 25 years in the tech industry, please welcome Dustin Hughes. Thanks for joining us today, Dustin. Hey, Javier. How you doing? Good, good. Excellent. It's always good talking with you. Looking forward to kind of, you know, diving into today's topic and uh, really get your insight. Some exciting stuff here. This definitely has my my juices flowing, so to speak. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to contain myself when it comes to, to this topic and actually get some work done and not <clears throat> just play in this new, this new realm, so to speak. But, uh, you know, before we get started here in, in today's topic, let's talk about a fun fact uh, to, you know, kind of give some insights for the audience or share some insights for the audience. Uh, so adding a swimming pool can increase a home's value by as much as 7%. Can you talk a little bit about this, Dustin? Sure. Actually, I had a discussion the other day with a friend of mine about this. Um, it's almost as if you get a pool, it's kind of like a status symbol where you've, you've made it. And I'm sure that a lot of people have remember their childhood if they had a pool in their backyard and how it was kind of the greatest part of their life and how they just swim and play. So it's it's definitely an increaser on the uh, the value of your property, but it also is an increase in quality of life as well. Yeah, we definitely need a pool. You know, that was, uh, we just got a house not too long ago, about five months ago, and uh, we we made a we put in a bid on a a perfect house. The pool was app controlled. It was an ozone pool. <clears throat> it was actually a technology uh, director. I think we were you know we put in a bid with and we lost out to a cash offer. Then the second house we got was also perfect. Didn't have a swimming pool, but we're like you know what we can put a pool in. Another technology director at a very large uh, financial institution and uh, we actually underbid on that one and we ended up getting the house and so. Uh, but now, you know, of course we need to start looking at getting that pool for next summer, but, but, uh, you know, in Texas, especially in, in Texas where we're at, right. You, San Antonio, you almost have to have a pool. It just, this summer was brutally hot. It was, I, I forget how many days, but I know that <clears throat> this year it was the most, it was the record recording of most days consecutively over 90 degrees. So it's definitely, uh, I'm sure that's helping the pool industry. <laughs> yeah, sure. well, there's a big factor on pool purchases within in the United States and Europe. Let's dive into today's topic, unlocking excellence from large language models to leading teams. In today's episode, we're diving into the fascinating intersections of large language models like ChatGPT, cloud computing solutions like Azure OpenAI, the ethical and practical dimensions of generative AI, as well as the human elements of leadership, team dynamics, and work-life balance. So let's talk about large language models, Dustin. You know, you have pretty extensive background in machine learning algorithms. H how do you see large language models like ChatGPT, 
or just GPT, I should say, Llama 2, Falcon. How do you see these technologies shaping the future of customer interactions, specifically like, you know, maybe in the e-commerce space? That's interesting. Um, I was I was at a, a Google event um, this week in Austin, Texas, and it's interesting what their perspective and our perspective of how it's going to affect the the world. Um, what's interesting is large language models. You more or less you think about it as just a a simple autocomplete is what people are thinking about it. But what's interesting is as you add more and more information into a, a corpus or basically the model itself, it starts to take on human qualities, um, reasoning, uh, decision-making processes. So if you can take some of that and distill the knowledge and be able to give it to uh, your user as they're trying to interact with you on a commerce site, it could be very powerful. It could be powerful for a lot of other things too. When I think of e-commerce, I'm thinking of like, you know, I guess let's talk about Amazon, right? It's, it's a massive e-commerce site. But as far as is like, you know, the reasoning, it it's definitely getting better at reasoning. You know, it's it's not going to reason as, as good as I don't think as like a human can, right? It's not as powerful as a human quite yet. And in, in as a human, we need to really understand how to communicate with the large language models to really get the quality of output that we want, right? We have to be able to, in a sense, know how to engineer prompts to kind of pull out of the system what we want. Um, do you have any insights that you can share on kind of that? Yeah. Um, so there's process, there's quite a few technologies that are out there, and we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit later. Um, but the idea is actually to steer the prompt in a way that you want it to be steered. So you want to construct prompts to where you get a repetitive uh, example that comes back out of it. So a lot of times that's called um, usually prompting templates or guardrails is what most people would call it. You know, from, a, I guess, a template perspective, right, there's, there's LangChain, right? So I've heard that LangChain is really revolutionizing natural language processing. Um, you know, how do you think technologies like LangChain really contribute to the optimization of search queries or like customer service e-commerce platforms? Langchang, uh, I mean, and I've, I've been one of the early adopters of this project. Uh, I saw it back in uh, February uh, to this year and Harrison um, is the founder of Langchain, Harrison Chase. His team has done a really phenomenal job on the construction of it, and it, it breaks down into really interesting segments on how it's constructed. So you have your basic templates, a concept of reasoning where you can use tools, and then tools in a way are more or less API access or um, access to other information, and that's kind of going into another realm where you can actually use um, vector databases to call and actually do reasoning based off of that data set. There's also um, agents, which is primary agent thing that allows you to use the tools and interact in, independently and do some really, really cool stuff with it. 
Um, it's it's quite a fascinating. There's a couple of other multiple other frameworks that are out there. Uh, Llama Index is another one, and there's some newer ones that are actually coming into the market. One of the mo and another one is very promising. It's called Autogen, produced by Microsoft. All the projects are all basic orchestration frameworks, and it's extending large language models to a point that people did not believe where we would be today. Uh, what you see with ChatGPT is it's going to be even more within the next couple of months. Within the next couple, how long? Couple months, that? actually. Couple, couple months. months, yeah. And it's it's crazy, right? Because I'm. I am always looking for things like this, right? And this is kind of an analogy that I <clears throat> I talk to people about is, you know, if somebody like me, if I'm constantly looking for new technologies and how to leverage new technologies of how to, you know, increase productivity, increase impact, increase effective communication, right? <clears throat> and I just found out about this technology, I don't know, probably in February and started going, I went to like a 2D conference and, and I started like diving in deep and I was very surprised at how powerful it is, this technology, and how advanced it already is, when I didn't think it was going to be like this for maybe another five years. And so I, it, it's almost mind-boggling to think of how fast it's, it's developing and, and making an impact. And for like people that aren't constantly looking for this, it's like they're going to be blindsided by how fast everything changes because... They're just, they're not in the tech space. They're not digging into this stuff. And it's just mind boggling. And the fact that you just said, <clears throat> like you said, you know, I've, it's, it's like you were talking about you, you looked into this or found out about this technology like way back almost, but you were like in February and, and now in a couple of months, it's going to, it's going to change a lot again. Right. And it's just, it's moving so fast that time gap or that time span is getting much shorter. So and it's before it was like, oh, this technology like five years ago, but it's like now it's like months ago. It, it's completely changing or up leveling and it's it's moving so fast, it's mind boggling. Like it's it's almost hard to comprehend. Well, it's actually making it hard on the tech the tech industry themselves. Um, like I said, I came from a, an event for, sponsored by Google. Well, it was a generative AI event that they were sponsoring and even their own employees were trying to teach, well, I was say trying, but they were teaching Lang Chang, but they didn't understand the full potential of it. And I had a, a chance to show some of their engineering team some stuff that they didn't know about. So, I mean, it's going to get continually harder and harder to keep up. Yeah, I know. And it's, you know, uh, you're aware of the, you know, the very large fortune company that that I was working with on a project here and and the fact that you know they were gracious enough to volunteer to help me to develop a powerful technology platform leveraging these large language models right we've been working on it for a few months but the fact that you know I was bringing people to the table like you and and you know other people that had insights that were very advanced, right? That they were actually learning from, right? And these are people that this is their careers. And so the fact that you're then going to Google and teaching them, it's like, wow, like, I mean, this is one of the biggest, best technology plant uh, companies on the planet, right? And, and 
it's moving so fast. It's it's like drinking from a fire hose. It's it's hard to keep up, right? So it's I think it speaks to the importance of of community and and really just pulling together to to keep up with the pace of change and 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 leveraging, you know, outside and inside expertise to to make that happen. It's it's it's, uh, it's still kind of hard to grasp for me. Uh, it's the willing to experiment and fail. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's, that's, definitely fail. Fast. That's what I do on a daily basis. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So how do you how do you evaluate like the risk reward profile, so to speak, of integrating a newer technology like Langchain into an existing e-commerce platform? Well, um, in the beginning, usually it's I usually try to prove proof of concepts within you know and do research through white papers, and then do basic proof of concepts to see if it's even fe something that's even feasible for economically for us um, once that happens uh, you guys are our executive team and they usually make a decision yes or no if they're going to go forward with a project on it and see what the financial rewards will be you know, based off of uh, return on investment but a lot of times this stuff will get put into kind of a war chest where we keep it for later yeah yeah and I, I would imagine it's it's fairly challenging right because there's there's so many unknowns and security is becoming a, a very big a more and more an important subject which you know the threat landscape is evolving and uh with the the evolution and the advancements of technology there's potentially new considerations or potential security attack vectors that have to be considered uh, data privacy, all kinds of stuff. So it's it's mind-boggling. I said that is frightening. That is the frightening side of it. Part of it, you know, it's a lot about ethics. It's a lot about data governments on how a lot of the information is controlled prior to like giving it to the large language model to do reasoning on. So a lot, a lot of it, you really need to think about that portion of it. Yeah, it's uh, it's a dynamic space for sure. So. You know, Azure OpenAI is uh, is one of these areas of technology, so to speak, that I think is you know important to cover. Can like given your expertise with like Google Cloud, have you really explored Microsoft Azure in combination with OpenAI, and like how do they stack up against each other? Maybe maybe talk a little bit about um, like handling large data sets or. In, complex operations yeah that's that's important to dis distinguish between azure open ai and open ai um, a lot of people think that ai in general is bad and you have to be careful what what you put into open ai or chat gpt because you could potentially leak personal information into that or what they call pii data um, as to basically the, the closed Azure OpenAI, your data is basically secure in your own instance of your models. The same thing goes through with, with uh, the Google Cloud platform as well. Once you get your own private Gemini model or Bison models, basically the Palm 2 model classes, um, your data resides in your tenant and is only in your tenant. And it's important to distinguish between the two, right? So as an organization or a corporate organization as, and a person, 
you have two individuals with different needs, right? You need to you need to really protect your intellectual property. So it's important as an organization, and you have information that's important, and you make sure you don't want to leak it into the general population. So it's best, you know, to urge your employees not to to use the public systems and put public information in it. Understanding how that could be leaked out, right? Uh, granted, it's, you know, when you put information in the system, it's kind of just in the system and it's, it's then leveraged by anybody that's using that public system. But is, could somebody potentially go in and extract, like target a company and say, hey, I want to know about, tell me about this, what you know about this company, right? Could it, could it potentially... Could they potentially yeah, you could extract? potentially build synthetic data from training sets. Okay. So, so that's where the kind yeah. of danger lies, is that if somebody's targeting somebody, they can go and ask it specific questions around that organization. And he goes for source code. So could be yeah. some potential yeah. stuff in source code. There could be stuff in um, tabular data. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it goes on and on how feasible do you think that it, it's for like a business to migrate from say like an AWS based AI tool to Azure open AI solutions where like where, what, what are the things that people need to consider to consider if they're going to be doing it's important like to this? pick a model structure or architecture that you can basically interchange with. And that's kind of the beauty of Langchang. If, if you, you build an application that sits on top of Langchain, you can choose pretty much any type of large language model that's supported by Langchain. There is another project that does integrate into Langchain that's even more impressive, and it's called Light LLM, and it supports over 300 different large language models. So using that in conjunction with Langchain, you could literally be portable and it doesn't matter which model you're using so it's and that's it's like quite, like l-i-g-h-t yeah like yeah yeah light l-l-m light l-l-m interesting i've never heard of that one um yeah there that's something new that's popping up i always have new stuff <laughs> yeah 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 i i've noticed that so <clears throat> so light l-l-m is I guess what what would that be called like you know langchain is is based on block blockchain right and oh, it's, no no it's based on language language chaining okay light llm is what i'm using it for is more or less a proxy that makes every large language model look like a endpoint for open ai so if your applications coded for an open ai uh, endpoint, which is pretty much what uh, Azure Azure uh, OpenAI is, or OpenAI's API, you can use a Llama 2 model, and it looks like it. Or you could use an Orca model, and it looks like it. Or a Falcon model, and it looks like it. So it, it turns pretty much any model into an interchangeable piece for the, for the framework. Yeah, it's just like, it, it's every time I talk to you, it's like, you know, I think I'm caught up and then I, and there's something else I need to go and learn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, you and I are both, um, 
worried about the ethical implications of generated AI, right? And a lot of people are, of course, right? But but it's something that matters to us. You know, as yourself, someone committed to excellence and innovation, how do you address the ethical considerations when really implementing a generative AI solution? Well, it's it's important that any organization that goes down this road and the great, great companies that are actually doing this, they, they've done this a couple months back, uh, Google, Microsoft, Meta, they all drafted an internal AI ethics policy and it's part of their, their actually employee handbook and part of the whole deal. It's important that it has to be self-government, governed within the organization. It's the ability not to do any harm to people, displace people from jobs in, in a way that that is harmful, loss of money, you know, that's that's the big focus that all these organizations are trying to do. What's what's your breath of fresh air is I really enjoy and I've seen it hands on, uh, Google's effort on the way they're implementing their their AI systems into their products. It's more or less about human augmentation of making their life easier. And the same thing goes through Microsoft. Microsoft is actually doing the same exact thing. Their their co-pilot ecosystem is pretty much the same way. Same way. Uh, and it's impressive. That's really the, the proper model on how to implement AI tools. It's more or less, you know, it's not human replacement, it's human intelligent augmentation. Uh, it's it's important to think that way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the way that I, you know, speak to one area of that is that the human technology is much more powerful than this technology. But we can use this technology to amplify the power of the human, but we can both amplify the negative and the positive. And we need to be careful, you know, of what we're building or what we're leveraging to make sure that we're not amplifying the negative flaws within the human and the human's behaviors, as well as, you know, hurting a subset of society or, or just hurting people, right? Like causing any kind of harm because as humans, we're inherently flawed. We're not perfect. Right. And, and we have a, our own perception of reality, but it's hard for us to check ourselves. Right. And that's why we need community because community kind of helps to keep each other in check. Yeah. I mean, bias is always going to come through that and that's part of human bias it's large language models are nothing more than really a distillation of, of of information so if there's bias information in there it will be bias and that's some of the things that we have to, we're gonna have to deal with okay so this is a good lead-in to really kind of talk more about uh you know, or get into human science, right? Or just kind of the more the human element around this discussion. You know, as someone like yourself who really excels at attracting and retaining talent or engineering talent specifically, what's your approach or like what, what kind of strategies can you share on really being able to identify the right fit for your team, for your company, and, and really maybe something that you do in the recruitment process to, to attract good talent? Uh, well, it's it's good that you asked that question. Um, a lot of everybody that works with me, they know that 
I look for something that I, I commonly called the it, right? The it is the ability to learn, the ability to self-learn, that thirst for knowledge, the ability to not be afraid to fail. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's an important thing that it's, it cannot be taught, really cannot be taught. It's either you have it or you don't have it. Skills like programming, uh, management, all of that can be actually learned and, and taught and mentored. But that drive and that thirst for knowledge, that, that cannot be taught, right? That's the human aspect of it that's real important. Yeah, and I forgot, I think it was, who's the guy that owns Berkshire Hathaway's? Berkshire Hathaway's? Um, Warren Buffett. I think it's Warren, yeah, yeah, Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett. He said, oh, I forgot, what, I'm drawing a blank on what it was, but I know that one of them, he said that you hire for energy, intelligence, I think, and enthusiasm, right? Something to that effect. It's like, th these are human qualities that you cannot, you cannot, um, you can't really train. It's kind of embedded into people. No, it can't be trained. Um, and, I, and I saw somebody else, it was either Simon Sinek, or I think it was Simon Sinek, you know, he said hire for attitude, um, you can train skills. Right. And That's so, exactly true. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting thing about humans, right? But it's, uh, yeah, they, they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but we really have to be good at that. We really, it, in the times that we're living in now, we have to become good at change. It's, it's, uh, and we have to continue to learn and grow. It's, it's so crucial. It's not even funny, uh, but it's coming at us super fast. Um, you know, with your, with your over 25 years of experience, right? And you're in a fast-paced industry, technology, it's it's evolving, it's like speeding up the, the pace of change. How do you manage the work-life balance, you know, especially your passion for innovative technologies and learning and your family? Like, how do you balance all of that stuff? Yeah, that's a real interesting thing. My wife would probably argue with me about this. <laughs> <laughs> but for me... Uh, somebody asked me this the other night, actually, at dinner. I thought it was interesting. They said, if I were to take your phone, would you offer a digit of your hand or your phone? And I said, you could have my phone. And they said, and I, I didn't even undeniably just said, you can have it. And everybody at, at the table said the opposite, right? And what sets me apart from, from, from other people, and that's this is what you know, everybody needs to think about is, do you live for technology or do you live for life, right? And they said, well, how, how would you find your way back to the hotel or, or home? And I said, I do that every day when I ride my Harley Davidson. I don't have a phone. I just go based off of, you know, the feel. And that's what attracts me to riding these types of motorcycles and going out and like detoxing from technology. It's important that a lot of people that you need to, you need to cut the ties sometimes to go back to nature. That's the very reason why I'm sitting outside. Um, it's important that you balance nature with tech. You can't have one without the other is the way I see it. Yeah, it's huge, you know, and that's something that I'm, I'm, I'm constantly working on, right? I've been a little bit out of, out of my normal routine last couple of years, just cause new addition to the family, new home, like 
very you know being very busy but it it's there's a lot of science in that right i mean there's a there's actually proven science that if if you're out in nature for three days something changes within the physiology of your brain right you you begin to vibrate at a different frequency and and we are all all of us are, are made of energy and all we are is a wave of vibration at different frequencies but when you're out in nature for over three days it's been tracked that your rate of vibration your your existence your being actually changes and um when we don't do these resets right like that i i see you writing your harley as like a form of meditation right and grounding when we don't do these resets we're, we're it's almost like we're almost constantly in a state of fight or flight and we're not ourselves we're not our true selves when we're in that state and uh so that's you know i i, uh, I, I never thought about writing them riding a motorcycle that way but it it's really it's really what it is it, it, it's i think it's the same reason i love scuba diving is that you know i'm literally going into another world i could be 100 feet underneath the ocean you know i can't talk i can't like be on my phone because i'm 100 100 feet under the ocean right following sharks looking at octopus whatever yeah you're just you hear your breathing it's extremely meditative you're just out of the chaos of you know the world that we live in and uh it's it's a really good reset for sure so you know are there any books courses any like resources that you have like particularly found impactful for you and as you're you know been developing yourself professionally over the years i i read a lot I'm, as a matter of fact i read awful lot uh I read a lot of white papers. I can't tell you how many white papers I read on a daily basis. It's crazy. Um, and to to developers, I'm going to give you guys a very, very interesting perspective. Look at other people's code, right? GitHub is just a, a wonderful source of resource. Look at the top projects and look at how they structure their code and how it's done. There's also a lot of wonderful, awesome guides available on GitHub to look at. Um, you know, LinkedIn has some good education courses as well in conjunction with that. And then uh, Pluralsight's another good, if you have to learn via video learning, and everybody learns differently. So some people learn by video, some people learn by reading, some people learn by doing, and that's where the GitHub side of it comes in hand. So just pick what really works for you, but I use all of those resources daily. So curious about the white papers, like what types of white papers do you, do you read? Well, for, for me, um, I'm basically focusing on machine learning and AI type of technology, uh, that it's pertinent for our business, right? And I look at uh, white papers that have potential impact where they could help us. And some of it's very interesting. Um, what's difficult about reading these papers is they're very technical, right? Now, large language models have the ability, you can actually have it read the paper and downgrade the um, the, the, the basic writing structure to where you could understand it like a regular person could understand it. After a while, you, 
you read enough of these and it, enough downgrading that you start to understand some concepts and the way the language works after a while. So it's a great learning tool to use a large language model in that aspect. Yeah. That, roughly how long, like the average white paper, roughly how long do you think it is? Uh, I've seen five to seven pages usually. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I might have to start doing that. I, you know, I haven't really thought to go out and search for white papers, right. On something that I'm, you know, a problem I'm trying to solve. Um, but I, I think now with these, with the access to this technology, I mean, it, it's just like a huge brain sitting there that remembers everything that it's ever looked at. Cornell so like university great, has it publicly tool. open for anybody to look at. And I, like I said, I just look at the ones at, you know, today I scan through the titles or oh, that looks like that might be pertinent for me. And I click on it and read it. So that's something I do after business hours, you know, after five o'clock it's white paper time. There you go. Yeah. I know a lot of, a lot of leaders do that, you know, after hours or in the morning, you know, morning coffee, you know, instead of reading the newspaper, read the, read the white papers. <laughs> white papers are, I'm sure, much more positive than the, than the newspapers, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah, so um, could you share an instance where you were working on a project that really didn't go as planned? Like, what did you learn? What, what was the experience like? Um, any, any insights around that? Failure is by far the best learning, uh, <laughs> the best learning experience you could ever have. Um, it definitely is a, a mark, uh, on you. You got to think about a lot of the hardships on, on you've gone through really have an effect on how you reason or think, uh, in the future. So I've had some projects that have gone just completely sideways. I mean, some really, really sideways projects. And what, what you've learned, it's, it's more about the human element, about interacting with people, to be able to read people. Um, it's not that the, the project was a bad project. It's more about the human element and, that could have been different, that the project would have done better. So the way that, you know, let's just say you had a project that went south, which we've all had those. Um, how did that really influence like the, your future projects or future ways of approaching things maybe? Just learn not to do the, that thing again. Yeah. Basically learn, way. learn from your mistakes and, and just yeah. adjust accordingly in your next project or in your actually next Albert Einstein said it perfectly. Approach. If you do the same thing, multiple times expecting a different solution or a different result. It's yeah. the definition of insanity. Yeah. Yeah. So. There's another good one that I like is, is, uh, you know, a smart man learns from his mistakes, but a wise man learns from the mistakes of others. Right. And, and I, you know, that's, you know, part of what I believe to my core and what I practice. And, and that's, it's kind of part of the reason for this podcast, right? Is, is that people that listen to podcasts, people that read books, they're really tapping into the wisdom of other people, right? And with that knowledge and learning, they can learn from other people's mistakes and not have to make those same mistakes themselves, you know, hopefully, right? Not that we're perfect. You know, we can still fall into those traps, but, but, uh, but yeah. It's I, mean, definitely... I always look back. It's important to know where you came from before you are going forward. That's, that's 
Yeah, that's it's interesting. I see it today from early tech to where it is today. I mean, I I'm dating myself, but I I remember when the internet <laughs> was just born. I remember when smartphones occurred. Now we're on AI. This is another evolution. So yeah, this is the journey you have to learn from history. Yeah, it's another evolution. It's not the last one, which is yeah, it's it's just mind-boggling to think of what my what my two-year-old is, what her life is going to be like. Right? It's just you know, I have a nineteen-year-old and a two-year-old. Like the nineteen-year-old, I have kind of somewhat of an idea, but still, it's like it's hard to understand what it's going to be like five years from now, ten years from now, because the rate of change. But to think about a two-year-old growing up right now when this is happening, it's almost hard to fathom of what, what, you know, what her life is going to be like. It's crazy. So, you know, from a cultural perspective, right, um, how do you cultivate a culture that's really open to constructive feedback within your teams? And, and you know, really, how, is, how does this con contribute to Pool Corp success? Oh, man. Um, once again, we had a discussion the other night, a friend of mine, and we were sitting down. Um, so our IT group, they, their mascot is a pirate, right? The 892 pirates is what they call them. It was a can-do, doesn't matter which way, just somehow get it done type of situation that we always did. We were always understaffed underfunded you know everybody think that we could never get anything done because we didn't have the right resources but we always found a way uh, and we paid and it was family it was treated like a family cohesion group you know we played together we had fun together we worked hard together um, that's the environment that we have and very few companies have that it's truly a family type of feel and vibe within our IT organization. So it makes me think of the, the wooden leg, right? It's like, <laughs> you know, you get it done regardless of having a wooden leg, right? As a pirate, but, but the, I, I don't know. It's like the pirate mentality is just like, you know, basically just make it happen and go for what you want. And, you know, uh, I don't know, for some reason, that wooden leg came up for some reason, but. <laughs> and we, we would joke with, we, we joked with each other all the time. I have, have countless stories of pranks and jokes. It's, you can't, you can't. It's important to have fun at work for sure. Right. Um, you know, it, it's, you're, you're at work the majority of your time almost, or in a large portion of your time. Right. And so it's like, you gotta have fun. You gotta like to be with the people that you're working with or else it becomes, it becomes a drain, so to speak. Right. Um, but you know, we're coming up on time here, Dustin, what, in your opinion, right. You know, you're, you're definitely in there with the, the latest and greatest from technologies and, and keeping tabs on things, but what technology do you think the world needs that really doesn't exist yet? There's a tech that I'm predicting that's going to happen. Um, but it's also kind of frightening about it. Uh, it's called AIG. It's autonomous uh, AI. Um, and there's also uh, advanced AI intelligence. I, I foresee, I mean, it's going to happen probably in the next five to 
five five to seven years. Um, but it's going to have to be regulated. Really, really going to be important to look at the impact it's going to have on life, humans, everybody. And and what exactly do you think this this technology is going to do? It'll do a lot of repetitive tasks and advanced uh, intelligence process for for what some humans do today, but it's going to be there to stand side by side with human intelligence. So in a sense, you know, today it's, it's more, you know, the technology needs more inputs from a human to kind of understand what we want and what to give us. So in a sense, you know, this future technology that you're talking about, you, you believe that it's going to be more of a, kind of like advising us almost on an, in an autonomous way. Like we're just, it's going to more kind of or less what we're anticipating our needs. Okay. Yeah. So it's going to kind of be there with us. It's going to understand what we're trying to accomplish and it's going to be like, Hey, have you thought of this? Basically, why don't you try this? Like just on its own, we're not going to have to like potentially prompt it to give us advice. You got to reach okay. for a spoon. It already has it out for you. Yeah. Or a few stones and have already thought through the process of, you know, getting rid of all these ideas, because those probably aren't going to work. The probability of these three are the, probably your top three choices. So why don't you look at these or something? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's that's interesting and scary all in, all in the same nutshell, right? But um, it is. It is. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see how things play out, right? It's uh, it's an interesting space that we're in, interesting time that we're in for sure. But, you know, we're, we are coming up on time here, Dustin. We really appreciate you joining us today and sharing your insights with the listeners. To our listeners, a Pool Corp is hiring. Um, Dustin, can you tell us a little bit more about what kind of people slash positions, you know, you're currently looking for? Yeah, we're, we're looking for developers, mobile developers, machine learning experts, uh, data engineers. I mean, you name it we're looking for it, uh, project managers, and you know, the whole gambit. Um, as an organization, we're growing. I, I've never seen an organization grow this fast, uh, and I've been there for a long time. I've also run my own startup, but they're, they're growing very, very fast, uh, and it's, it's impressive. Nice, so listeners, you know, be sure to check out Dustin's work and follow him on social media website links and social handles will be in the show description. So one last question here, Dustin. So as a leader in technology, what's, what's really one piece of actionable advice that you could really give to emerging leaders within the, uh, AI machine learning landscape or space? Uh, don't be afraid to say, I don't know, uh, and go out and look for, somebody else that knows more and, you know, use them and, and don't be afraid of AI, uh, go to an, a local AI event and get educated. Once you start understanding it, it's really not that complex. I'm finding that out myself for sure. And, and, and maybe read white papers. I'm going to start reading white papers too, <laughs> or more white papers, I should say. So listeners again, you know, don't forget, to help your fellow tech humans share this podcast, follow me on LinkedIn at Javier Guetta 360 and Dustin, 
you know, really appreciate your time again. Thanks again for sharing your insights. Uh, keep up the great work. Looking forward to continue the conversations with you. You know, every time I talk to you, I'm, I'm definitely learning something new and, uh, you know, it's exciting, exciting times that we're in. So, you know, really appreciate your time. Looking forward to our next conversation and, uh, listeners, you know, be safe out there, you know, and, and keep your ear to the ground because things are changing. Things are happening. We're, we're, we're living in interesting times and there's a lot of, uh, a lot of technology and a lot of opportunity at our, at our fingertips. So, so good luck out there, and we'll see you next time on the Tech Human Experience. The Tech Human Experience. 